Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Muslims in Your Backyard podcast. I'm your host, Hurem Shamim. As always, thank you guys for joining me for another episode of this podcast. I know it's been a while since I last released an episode uh, on the podcast, or for the podcast, I should say, uh, for which, you know, I apologize. Uh, I guess I've just been busy, uh, and, you know, I kind of sort of needed the break. Um, But, you know, I've been thinking about the podcast as well. I've been thinking about new episodes to make. Um, I think I mentioned this in the last podcast episode as well, uh, which I believe was uh, on, I think it was called Overconsumption and Being Grateful, kind of reflection on, uh, you know, Christmas and the holiday season. Um, But, you know, primarily, uh, you know, I'm hoping to release more episodes. But like I said, you know, I will focus more on, you know, having gaps between episodes just so that I can put more effort, I guess, into each episode. You know, releasing episodes every two weeks is doable. It's not It's not insane. Um, but at the same time, you know, it also forces me to constantly make episodes uh, and also shorter episodes. And sometimes I think there's certain episodes where, you know, I, I want to spend a bit more time focusing on certain issues uh, than others. Um, But nonetheless, you know, I'm happy to be back and making episodes and hopefully, hopefully being able to give you guys the best podcasting experience. In terms of the future of this podcast or future episodes, you know, I just want to say that you don't have to worry. Like, I'm not going to stop making podcast episodes. I do enjoy podcasting. It's just, again, you know, I do this on my own. I write my own episodes. I record my own episodes. I edit my own episodes and I publish my own episodes. So it takes a while right? I mean, it's just, that's the reality. I work full time and I have to make these podcast episodes. And, you know, obviously I have other stuff that I do as well. So, right, it it just takes time. So bear with me. I'll do my best to try to keep up uh, in in a schedule of some sort. Um, But you know what? I mean, as it goes, I'll, you know, try to do my best and, you know, we'll see how it goes. Uh, it's really all you can do, I guess. Um, you know, you know, life is sometimes, you know, things just change or something gets in the way and you kind of just got to change what you're doing. Um, but, you know, I'm hoping that I can keep as uh, consistent as possible with getting some podcast episodes and hopefully growing this podcast as well, which, you know, before we get into the podcast, uh, I just want to say that if you guys do enjoy this podcast, I, as I always remind you, please don't hesitate to follow me on Instagram. It's MibPodcast. Uh, that's M-I-Y-B and then podcast, the capital P uh, find me on Instagram or on Twitter. Uh, and also if you do enjoy this podcast and you've been listening to this podcast for a while, uh, remember to share it with your friends, you know, uh, share it with others, uh, get them to listen to it too. If you enjoy it, I'm sure they will, uh, as well. So why don't we move into what we're going to talk about this podcast? Cause I don't want to do too much introduction after all, I haven't made a podcast episode in a while. So it's kind of unfair to you guys. Why don't we just get into what I want to talk about for today's podcast? And, you know, it's something that I guess has been on my mind for a while and maybe part because, you know, I I myself am, you know, a person who's just entering the workforce as well, or I guess I've been in it for a while now. Um, You know, I'm not exactly a young worker anymore, Um, but, you know, it's something that's been on my mind a lot and it's something that I'm sure is something many of you have probably interacted with uh, within the modern workplace. And that is kind of the area where I want to focus on. It's not something to do with, you know, directly relation to, to Islam. It's not something to do directly related to social issues. And, and I want to make it clear that I don't want this podcast to just be about complaining about social issues or, you know, complaining about, you know, this and that. 
and and by complaining, I, I don't want to make it sound you know like it's a bad thing, but you know at, at the same time that we have problems with maybe you know things that are impacting Muslims, there's other things as well that you don't maybe realize are a part of your life or could impact your life that still are an important thing to maybe reflect on and think about. And that's really where I want to focus on today's episode on what I mentioned before is the modern workplace. We all work. We all are a part of the modern workplace one way or the other. Either some of you are probably in, you know, traditional office jobs, you work nine to five, you work in an office, probably in some skyscraper or whatever, and then you go home after five. Others maybe work in different, you know, uh, areas. Maybe you don't work in an actual office. Maybe you work outside. Maybe you work, you know, in some other capacity. Regardless, it's all part of the modern workplace. It's all part of the way that we work in the 21st century. And there's really no way to avoid it because you can't really survive in the 21st century without having some sort of, you know, job or some sort of occupation. It's just such a central component of our lives. And in many ways, if you think about it historically, you know, for some people, a job was basically their life, but in a different way. If you were a farmer, you weren't growing farms just so that you could sell it. You were growing farms so you could eat food too. But in today's world, of course, that's different. We can just go to a grocery store. We can just buy all the food that we want. But imagine going to your ancestors and telling them all the food you've ever wanted is just, you know, within a fingertip away. And in some parts in Canada, for example, right, we have uh, what's, I think it's a grocery ordering services where you just sit at home and you tap a few buttons and then you can order food to your home and then cook it or whatever you want to do with it, right? But that's all part of, you know, the modern workplace and, and you know, the modern way that our lives are uh, situated. And it's within this modern workplace. I wanted to focus on two, I guess you could say, important things or important subcultures that have sort of grown within the modern workplace. And some of you may have heard of them before, or chances are, you know, most of you have probably heard of it or interacted with people that really, you know, kind of use these sort of ideas. Um, and it's mainly focused on the way we work. And it's the ideas that are known as hustle culture and quiet quitting. Now, some of you have probably heard of hustle culture before because it's very prominent in social media and, you know, social media culture as well. And you often hear about people, you know, focusing on stuff like hustling and hustle culture and working and working and working. Uh, and quiet quitting is something that I'm sure some of you saw or remembered seeing kind of in the news and, you know, a few other people also kind of advocating for it as well. And the reason why I wanted to focus on these two dynamics of both hustle culture and quiet quitting, and, and for those of you who are not familiar with them, don't worry, I'll be going into them uh, in this episode. But I wanted to focus on these because, A, they interest me, and they're very interesting to look at in terms of, you know, why people subscribe to certain ideas other rather than others, and also because of the fact that they really have had a tremendous impact, whether or not some people actually realize it, but they've had some, you know, a very substantial impact on many people's lives for both good and bad, which again, I, I will get into. And I think it's important thing before we get into, uh, you know, this idea or these ideas um, I'm not necessarily advocating for one, and I'm not trying to diss another. I'm not trying to insult anyone who, you know, believes in one thing or the other uh, or, you know, subscribes to certain beliefs. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to go into these and sort of analyze them 
for, you know, what is good and bad and sort of what their impacts have. And of course, underneath all of this, the relation to Islam and more, I think, in a broad way and more importantly, the relation that it has on our lives as Muslims within, you know, the 21st century. So the first topic that I want to get into is hustle culture. Um, and it's mainly because it's the one that I was most familiar with because I just heard of it so much. I always heard people talk about it or I've always heard, you know, someone bring it up or some sort of influencer, which is really where a lot of this stuff comes from, uh, you know, constantly talking about it. And also just because I guess hustle culture is one that was older where, you know, hustle culture technically came first and the quiet quitting came second. Uh, but hustle culture is essentially uh, the belief and mentality that a person must work all day and every day to achieve their professional goals. Their centers around sacrificing their personal life for the best of their professional work. People who practice hustle culture will often sacrifice moments with their family or friends for work. So essentially, it's by, you know, prioritizing work, they will achieve professional goals. By prioritizing, you know, that extra hour of work, by working overtime, by doing more for work, they will accomplish the goals that they seek with their life. The idea is essentially that by putting so much work and effort, the worker will not only overachieve, but will catch the attention of the employer who will reward them, or a person will work so hard that they will achieve their professional dreams. So for example, an entrepreneur that works nonstop or a person who you know runs a smaller company who works nonstop is able to accomplish their professional goals or their personal goals by basically just committing their whole life to work. Working in the morning, working at night, even when you're you know not working, the person is still expected to be working, you know, thinking about work or, you know, thinking about what they're going to do when they get back to work. Just work, work, work is really the main focus of hustle culture. It's really, really sort of worshiping and prioritizing however you work. Hustle culture also has quite a prominent, uh, you know, footprint on social media as many famous people like Elon Musk uh, Gary V, who is a motivational speaker, and Tony Robbins, who is another motivational speaker, who create a culture of encouraging people to build their lives around hustle culture and essentially encouraging them to morph their very being around the ideas of hustle culture. Many people who associate with hustle culture also make it their lifestyle and part of their identity, as I mentioned before. So it's not really just this idea of saying, you know, I will work harder or I'll work more uh, during my working hours. It's also an idea of sort of making it your lifestyle. It's almost like making it a belief, if you dare say, of a person that this is just how life operates. And it's their idea of, you know, how they want to operate their life as well, where they just want to work, 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 so that they can achieve whatever their professional goals are. And of course, a lot of people can have a variety and different varying degrees of professional goals, but oftentimes with hustle culture, the professional goals often are pretty substantial. It's never something like, I just want to get promoted. Maybe that might be part of it, but the ultimate goal is something like, I want to be a you know, a chief executive officer, or I want to be, 
you know, a, you know, a manager that takes care of, you know, the entire business or something like that. It's never really something like, I just want to get promoted once. It's more like, I want to reach all the way to the top. Or if, you know, it's an entrepreneur, it's never just, I want to grow my business. It's more, you know, I want to grow my business to the point where it's the largest business of its kind. It's, you know, a dominant force within the market. That's the kind of the difference between saying someone who's believing in hustle culture and someone who's maybe just, you know, who wants a promotion or something like that. Uh, and, and I think that's an important distinction because I'm not saying, again, that, you know, people who work hard are wrong. <laughs> of course not. You know, I'm a hard worker myself as well, as I'm sure a lot of you are. Um, but it's more about that hustle culture prioritizes this hard work over just about everything. So although I've talked about the, you know, the theoretical or the ideas that go behind it, I think it's also important to go into what hustle culture actually looks like. Right. So one of the things that I wanted to find was the experiences of people who have actually worked within the ideas of hustle culture. And I really wanted to focus on what they thought of their experiences and what kind of lifestyle they had due to their commitment to the hustle culture ideas. And what we can understand from this is the why, as in why people choose it, and how, as in how it impacted them. And one prominent voice in all of this, as he has been a prominent voice in many things, unfortunately, in the world in the past year or so, Elon Musk is a major proponent and a major supporter of many of these ideas of hustle culture. And he had a very famous quote in regards to the hustle culture uh, and within his own company in Tesla. And it was essentially justifying you know, why someone should come to Tesla and why they should work, you know, the long hours uh, that Tesla offers. Because obviously, you know, his companies are are very big. You know, he, he owns Tesla, SpaceX. I think he still owns PayPal. Um, and he's obviously a very prominent force in, in those industries. And largely, he credits it to, you know, his, uh, his commitment to his work and his ability to basically sacrifice a lot of things just so that he can work. And so his quote essentially goes like this as follows. There's probably easier places to work, but no one can change the world on 40 hours a week. End quote. So essentially what he's saying is that, yes, Tesla is a tough place to work. There's a lot of working hours and there's probably places where people can go work and, you know, live a happy life. But what he says about Tesla is that no one can change the world on 40 hours a week, meaning that Tesla makes you work more than 40 hours a week because his proposition is that at the end of the day, Tesla will change the world. I think that's a really important thing and maybe something we should think about here. It's an important, I guess, maybe part of what the conscious or the ideas that go behind why people commit to hustle culture. The idea of changing the world. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, Tesla is, a, I mean, it's a, it's a big company. They make electric cars. Electric cars are obviously becoming more and more important, especially in societies that want to reduce their carbon footprints or, you know, the amount of gas and oil that they use. Electric cars can be very important in that. However, the idea that Tesla is changing the world is something really interesting. Because is Tesla single-handedly changing the world? Are they? Like, is Tesla making the world better? I don't know. You know, it's, it's something 
to really consider. And maybe people don't consider it enough when he says something like that, because that's a pretty bold claim. It's a pretty bold claim to say that my company is going to change the world. And obviously he means for the better, or at least I assume he means for the better. He could mean for the evil, which would be very evil of him, but I assume he means for the better. I also wanted to go more into depth, and as I went into more into depth, I found this article from uh, the New York Times, and it interviewed a man by the name of Jonathan Crawford. Um, I didn't look into his background in terms of like what he's doing now, um, but Jonathan Crawford was formerly a San Francisco-based entrepreneur who was a former believer in hustle culture. So he was a guy who worked, I believe it was at a software company that he started, uh, and he was essentially uh, working in in you know this in this kind of uh, market um, where a lot of people you know have to basically commit long hours. Um, you know, a lot of software companies when they first begin, they work long hours because it's such a competitive industry. And so you know, for him, I guess it was a natural push to go into hustle culture because of his idea that you know he would be able to accomplish his dreams. Now, of course, in the interview, he does admit that he doesn't follow the ideas of hustle culture anymore, but he did give some interesting points as to what impact it had on him. And he's quoted as saying the following. He, as in Jonathan Crawford, sacrificed many of his personal relationships. He sacrificed many of the important moments in his life in terms of, you know, people he he loved or people he was close to, because instead of going to those kind of things, he was working. He gained more than 40 pounds during the time that he was a uh, an entrepreneur in San Francisco and using the hustle culture ideas. He only socialized with people, and, and this one is actually really interesting, but he only socialized with people when it related to work. I think that is so bizarre. Like, imagine only socializing or talking to people uh, when it relates something to work. So like even when you're trying to talk to someone or just enjoy time with someone, he may have just been trying to enjoy it in relation to work. So like, you know how you meet someone on the street or something and you talk to them and you have a good chat, you know, you go over what's going on in your personal life. I guess what this guy's saying is that instead of doing that, he would focus on trying to, you know, talk to people who could help him in his work rather than focusing on, you know, finding people to just enjoy time with. As he said, he sacrificed many of his personal relationships, and you kind of see why. It's very difficult, or it must be very difficult, to keep personal relationships when the only time you really want to socialize with someone is when it's related to work. He also mentioned, uh, continuing on, that he only read books if they were related to work. Now, I find this hilarious, because I like to read books just for the fun of it, and I like to read books because I find them entertaining to read, but I would really hate it if I could only read books that were related to the work that I do. And it's not because I hate the work that I do, it's because, the, again, that just feels so, it just feels terrible. That feels terrible. Not socializing with anyone, gaining weight, uh, you know, sacrificing personal relationships, only reading books, or only reading books if they relate to your work, that's just, that's so bizarre to me. It just feels like it's something that I would just never want to do and really makes me question why anyone would dedicate their life to doing this. But again, it's that promise. 
that I'll get into later as well, but it's this promise that they'll accomplish what they seek out to accomplish. And that's why people are so willing to sacrifice these things because they so desperately want to accomplish those goals. Furthermore, I, I did more research again, and I found another article, an article that I thought was actually really interesting uh, because it talks about a woman by the name of Nadia Okamoto, and she was an entrepreneur and a non-for-profit founder who was discussing her own personal struggles and the impact the hustle culture had on her. Her story was extremely interesting, in my opinion, because she went into a lot of detail about how it impacted her. But also, more importantly, she went into detail about, you know, what led to it. And what she really talked about was her own need and her own idea that, you know, she had to be successful, even from a young age. Um, she really was focused on being successful, on being able to say, I did this and I accomplished this and I am the creator of this and that and I did all of this. That's really what she wanted to focus on so much. And I'm not going to get into her whole story because, I mean, it is a long one to go through. Um, but I'll add a link to some of these articles that I talked about so you guys can read it in your own free time as well. But again, it's, it's a very interesting thing uh, to really get these perspectives about people who were in hustle culture and then just sort of looking at what kind of pushed them out, what kind of pushed them to no longer want to be a part of hustle culture. And so I wanted to go through this sort of list that she created. And it was basically her listing off these milestones through her age. Um, and it's important to understand that she was very young when she started hustle culture. And she was very young when she sort of ended her commitment to hustle culture. And so her quote goes like this as the following. At 16... I co-founded a non-profit. Very impressive. At 18, I started my first year at Harvard. Wow, that's even more impressive. At 19, I ran for public office. I mean, 19 years old, I don't think I even considered something like that when I was 19. At 20, she published her first book. That's even more impressive. The list just keeps getting more and more impressive. At 21... I joined a fast-growing startup as chief brand officer. At 22, I embarked on starting my first venture-backed business. And then at 22.5, I was admitted into residential trauma rehab. Because of her own personal issues, which she goes into again in the article, that were, you know, her own trauma and her own... Um, you know, uh, problems that she faced as a child, but also because of the fact that she committed so much of her life into just working nonstop. Like, if you think about it, you know, it's impressive. It's very impressive to co-found a non-for-profit. It's very impressive to run for public office. It's very impressive to publish your first book. But that's a lot to accomplish in four years. From age 16 to age 20, she accomplished quite a lot. And I guess you can't help but wonder is that during that time, while she was out accomplishing all these things, you know, what did she sacrifice to get there? Because there must have been sacrifices. A 20-year-old does not publish a book without sacrificing something else. And, you know, one thing she highlighted was that psychologically speaking, her mindset was 
that no matter how much she accomplished, she never actually felt that she was worth it, or she never felt that she actually accomplished anything, which can seem like a good thing when you accomplish, when you consider like what she had accomplished, but it became really harmful. Because if you think about it, this perpetual idea that hustle culture tells you to always improve, it also means that anything that you accomplish is never good enough, which is a really important point. Because I think that, and personally, I've always felt this, that when you accomplish something, you should be allowed to celebrate it. Like if you get promoted at work, or you know you do something that gets you know the support or respect of your boss or whoever, you should be happy about that. Right? It's like these little moments in life that we should really celebrate that maybe sometimes we don't, but we should because they're just as important as many of the big things. You know, you know, getting promoted to being manager uh, can be something very important for a lot of people. And it should be right. It's a big it's a big role. It's a big jump. But at the same time, you know, being, you know, maybe given a, uh, you know, a, a good re- a review by your manager, that is also something that you should celebrate. Maybe it's not the biggest thing. Maybe you don't get a promotion at the end of it. But if your manager says, you know, I really liked your work, you did a really good job, that's something to celebrate as well. But hustle culture would say that even though you're on the right track, even though you're doing good things, even though you're accomplishing things, it's not good enough. And she also goes into further detail as well uh, and to expand on her ideas here. Uh, But she goes into further detail about how social media really had a negative impact on her during this time. Because what it reinforced was, you know, it it sort of reinforced this negativity within her. Because every time she opened, you know, social media, and for those of you who have LinkedIn, you always see this, where there's these people who are posting how much they've accomplished, or, you know, um, the promotion that they got recently, or, you know, what they you know, what they founded or what they did, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's essentially this idea that really perpetually made it worse. And social media does this a lot, especially, you know, for people who constantly check on the social media. At some point, you can't just keep checking because you're just going to keep seeing people posting things or doing things. And, you know, you're going to end up thinking, well, I'm not doing that, so I must be a failure. When really, that's just not true right? We shouldn't define failure just because we're not accomplishing anything, quote unquote. Now, I want to get into further detail here. And I found an article that was actually linked to this article by, uh, by, um, sorry, what's her name? Uh, (laughs) Blanking on her name. So I actually found another article that was linked to uh, Nadia Okamoto's article. um, And it's from a, it's, it's, it's one quote that I, I thought was really interesting. Um, that I want to go into because it it has some really good insight into why people uh, dedicate themselves to hustle culture the way that they do. And in this quote, it's from a doctor named Dr. Silva Dvorak, who is a holistic counselor and an NYT best-selling author on addictive behavior. And she goes into saying that, you know, with work addiction, a person can make it very justifiable by saying, I'm not hurting anyone or myself, I'm just working hard, she explains. Hustle culture only reinforces that validation to work more at the risk of one's health, including their social-emotional well-being. 
end quote. So what her point is here and what she's really saying is that work addiction or hustle culture or, you know, committing yourself to work nonstop is a, it's not nothing, it's not something new, right? Hustle culture is not the first sort of idea within the workplace that told people to just work nonstop. However, it's interesting to, you know, to hear her uh, insight in saying that hustle culture only reinforces that validation to work more at the risk of one's health, including their social emotional well-being. Basically, what hustle culture is promoting in that people who work hard are just working hard. They're not hurting anyone. You know, it's not like it's a drug use, right? If it was something like drug use, someone could end up hurting another person. But that's not what's going on here. What's going on here is that a person is just, quote unquote, working hard. But of course, when you look at the big picture, that's not really true because the person themselves are probably going to get hurt in the process, but also the fact that the people around them might get hurt as well. And, you know, there's a few other uh, points here that I may get into later. Um, but, you know, there was this one interesting uh, quote, I guess, uh, that really led to a lot of social media backlash a while ago. Um, and it was from who was, I don't know if they still are, at the time, the CEO of Yahoo. And I don't remember the quote exactly, but it was something about how much hour, you know, people should be working and how much hour people should be taking breaks. And it's of no surprise to anyone that she essentially was telling people not to take breaks. And I think at one point she said something about, um, you know, bathroom breaks, about people limiting the amount of bathroom breaks they take, which I think is kind of funny because, I mean, if I have to go to the bathroom, like, I have to go to the bathroom, you know? Like, what are you supposed to do? Like, you don't have a choice here, right? If your body is telling you, I have to go to the bathroom or you have to go to the bathroom, then go, you know? Like, what does an employer gain by limiting the amount of breaks or, you know, the amount of bathroom breaks that a person takes? It doesn't make much sense. And yet, you know, the quote, I again, I don't have the full quote and I don't have it directly, but it was mocked a lot because people just couldn't help but laugh at the idea that a CEO is telling the workers to just work nonstop so they can be of benefit to the CEO more than anyone. And a last point here, and this is one that I kind of touched upon in my previous episode when I discussed mental health for students, but of course, students who experience hustle culture have also had many negative experiences, largely because of the fact that, you know, it's led to a lot of issues for them mentally and psychologically and physically because they've just dedicated their lives either to their studies or they've just dedicated their lives to just working hard. And so that's why to sort of summarize this and to kind of just bring it together, I think that hustle culture really comes down to the idea that if you work hard enough, you will become successful. And the more successful you are, the more powerful you are. It's not the idea necessarily of success in, you know, something like a marriage or something that is, uh, you know, um, that is for the greater good, but hustle culture is more of the idea that a person who is successful is powerful, right? It's very self-centered in this way. And, you know, there's no denying, and, you know, it's an, there's no denying, really, that working hard is important and essential 
to being a worker. But the problem is really how far hustle culture takes it. And I think that when we view this, there's really no denying that working hard is important and essential to being a worker. But the problem really is, this is a really important problem, is how far hustle culture takes it or how the people who practice hustle culture take it. You know, working hard is something that, of course, should be encouraged. Everyone should work hard. It's never a question of should you work hard or not. You should absolutely work hard. But it's also encouraging that working hard has limits. You know, something that hustle culture, of course, would not allow. A common theme that I found is this desperation to be successful, this need to be successful, this want. They have just this urgent need to be successful. It's a direct correlation between a person's wealth and success with their meaning of life. Meaning that the people who promote hustle culture, people who support it, often have a direct connection with their idea of what life is and what they're doing in hustle culture. So you take that away and you sort of maybe destroy what a person's personal life is like or you personally, or you might end up destroying what a person's, uh, you know, um, what their private life is like. Hence why the success will lead to an increase in power since hustle culture's ultimate goal is to make a, power, a person powerful to define their self-worth. And it essentially defines worth by your level of productivity. It's not defining your worth by, you know, your ethics or your morals or, you know, how you are as a person. What it defines your worth in society is by how well you are able to be productive. In many ways, it's a very capitalistic idea of how we should act. We should act towards productivity. We should always be producing things, making things better, you know, working for the company, and so on and so forth. And of course, in general, it is a very world-focused idea compared to our ideas of, you know, the afterlife and of Jannah, where our ideas are focused on Jannah. You know, it's, it's a very, and I, I say this hesitantly because I'm not trying to paint everyone in a bad look here, but in many ways, it's a very personal and sort of selfish outlook on life. It's a very, you know, me first attitude where the person really looks at themselves and looks at, you know, how they will get helped by, you know, hustle culture and what hustle culture can offer them, largely being that the person themselves will become more powerful, quote unquote, in the process. And just to sort of wrap this up, I think of some final questions or just some, you know, loose ideas that I have about hustle culture is this first thing, at least the first thing is this idea about changing the world. I would simply ask for who, who are you changing the world for? Like, are you changing the world to make it better? Or are you changing the world in a way that'll benefit you? Like you look at Elon Musk again, him claiming that Tesla will change the world, that Tesla will make the world better. And in the process, of course, Tesla will make millions of dollars by selling their cars at high market prices, by changing the world and convincing people to buy their products. Which, of course, it's great. Okay, maybe you 
help the world. But in the process, you're really doing it for yourself. You're not really doing it for the world, right? You're just making it so you can be better and so you can be higher and so that, you know, you can make it easier on your life as well. And to sort of summarize and finally conclude this, I would say that hustle culture seems to be a larger byproduct of an increased emphasis by society to put a person's worth on the amount of success they have, usually based on sort of monetary values, is a good way to put it. It's this idea that the amount of money, the amount of wealth, the amount of success, the amount of promotions, the amount of you know followers on social media you have is the most important thing for a person to worry about. And that it's the most important thing for, you know, people in, uh, you know, in, in many professions to be caring about as well. Now, we've talked about hustle culture quite enough, and, and I feel like we've gone into enough detail about it that I want to now transition to the second topic that I wanted to discuss, quiet quitting, which is essentially the very opposite in basically every single fashion of what hustle culture is. And I think it's important to understand that both things, hustle culture and quiet quitting, have existed for quite some time in the world, but aren't exactly or weren't exactly what they are now. And I think with quiet quitting, as I'll go through this, some of you will probably realize that you've probably unconsciously done quiet quitting, but just not known that it was, well, I guess now called quiet quitting. And so let's just first get into the definitions of it so we can clearly understand what I'm talking about here. So quiet quitting is a phenomenon that has become a real topic of discussion. It's largely because it's become much more prevalent, uh, in part because it is the, again, the exact philosophical opposite of what hustle culture is. And since hustle culture was so prominent in things like social media and in you know, a, a lot of, uh, I guess, the workplace sort of uh, ideas of how people should act, quiet quitting is basically a rejection of those ideas. And before some of you make any assumptions, quiet quitting is not literally what it sounds like. It's not actually someone who's sneakily quitting their job, but rather it's a person who's slowly disengaging from their work and slowly starting to check out. Uh, some might, you know, jump in and say that this is someone who's lazy or someone who doesn't want to put in the work. Uh, I don't agree with that because I think in reality, it's actually someone who's become really demotivated and is just unenthusiastic about their work. It's really more of, from what I could understand at least, a byproduct of overworking and attitudes that make work the number one priority over everything else, which can often lead to a worker or, you know, a person feeling disengaged from their job because they feel as if, you know, all they do is just put in time and effort into their job and, in their minds at least, maybe don't get enough in return. And, you know, in many ways, quiet quitting is not something new since workplace burnout or the stress of work has always been a part of the modern workplace, right? That's always been something. Uh, people who work long hours and whatnot will always tell you that, you know, burnout is pretty normal. There's some pretty stressful jobs that people do take on uh, for a variety of reasons, either because it's pay 
or it's, you know, the profession that they enjoy. But for whatever reason, burnout is something that's quite prevalent in many places of the workplace. And so it's not something new to hear that someone is feeling burnt out. But I think maybe it is different because of the fact that hustle culture and some of these other ideas around hustle culture have sort of normalized the idea of feeling burnt out. They've sort of made it that it's like you should feel burnt out rather than saying something like when you're overworking, you will feel burnt out. It's more becoming of, you know, the status quo. And people have always, one way or another, had stress in their job, largely because, of course, jobs can be stressful. There can be a lot of pressure behind a job or just because, you know, it's your one way of making income and everyone needs money. And so that's why it becomes so stressful. But I think what makes quiet quitting, you know, more impactful was because of how prevalent hustle culture had become, right? I mentioned some of these names like Elon Musk, Gary Vee, Tony Robbins, these sort of motivational speakers or CEOs and whatnot that had such a big influence on so many people that it was sort of like hustle culture was, you know, being embodied by them and that quiet quitting was not just a rejection of hustle culture, but was also to a larger part a rejection of those people and their ideas. And I think that this rejection really comes because, I, as I mentioned before, that it really was more of a realization for many people that the amount of hours or time that they put into things like hustle culture uh, or, you know, working long hours nonstop at their jobs, a lot of times for a lot of people, it probably just didn't work out. I mean, if you think about it, right, like there's only one CEO of a company. You can't all be the CEO. So for some of you, just statistically, it's not going to work out. You're not going to be CEO. Maybe you're going to be CEO of something else. I don't know. But the CEO position that you might want might go to someone else. That's just, you know, how life works. Or, you know, maybe if you're a lower level position and you want to move into stuff like manager or senior manager, whatever it is, you don't get, you know, all the, you can't get every single position that you want. Someone else could easily get that. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you shouldn't work hard. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you shouldn't put an effort but I think for a lot of people, it was probably the realization that I put in all this time and effort, but you're never guaranteed any of success. You're not guaranteed to get any position. So at the end of the day, you know, this sort of commitment to your work, uh, this, you know, overly, uh, you know, commitment to everything uh, in terms of, you know, getting the promotions and whatnot is, you know, well, not as rewarding as I think hustle culture tries to promise it. And so for a lot of people, it led to this sort of backlash saying, why should I sacrifice all these things in my extracurricular life just so that I may or may not get promoted, you know? And so I think at the end of the day, it's not necessarily to say that you shouldn't work hard again, but it's just saying that this promise of success is not necessarily there for everyone. But what I think is more prevalent and more important was that this realization seemingly came through much of, you know, the youth and young people mainly, uh, you know, the same people who would generally be the targets of hustle culture, who might look to motivational speakers, who might look up to people like Elon Musk. Uh, I know quite a few tech people who, uh, you know, look up to Elon Musk 
because of the fact that, you know, he's a very prevalent person in social media. Of course, now he owns Twitter and, you know, he's a very prevalent person in the world. And of course, a lot of people, you know, look up to that. So it's understandable that so many people would listen to what these people had to say when it came to how they became successful or what it meant to be successful. But again, there's only so much you can do by listening to all these people. Sometimes their realities are just different than yours. For example, one that some people don't like to mention for some reason is Elon Musk, the fact that his family is extremely rich. I believe he comes from a South African mining family. They have like millions of dollars that they've made from mining, uh, you know, ventures and, you know, owning mines. So it's not that he came from a poor family. He actually came from a very rich family and was able to obviously have that capability, whereas someone who maybe comes from a poorer family might face different sort of obstacles that get in the way of them having success. So sometimes, actually, listening to the rich guy talk about how he became successful may not be as important or even useful for the broader public. But nonetheless, you know, if you do look up to the people, I'm not trying to trash any of them, and I'm not trying to trash anybody who looks up to them, but I'm just saying that at some point, you know, the advice that someone gives can only be so useful. There's almost a point where it's like advice is really only useful in the context of the person that it is given from, uh, rather than, you know, to everyone in a broad way. A lot of people leave, you know, live different lives. People live different, I don't know, in different societies or just different capabilities that they have. And it's not as simple as to just say, do X, Y, and Z, and you will be successful. I mean, if it was, life would be so much easier. And moving back to the previous point about young people, I got a bit carried away there, but I think it's important to put into context about why a lot of youth and young people are sort of rejecting the idea of committing themselves nonstop to working. When you really look at what someone, especially the youth, go through in education and just getting to uh, the employment, or sorry, the, uh, the employment market, um, it really is something where you realize that people spend a lot of time just learning just to reach the point where they can get a job. Um, you know, you look at someone who spends their youth, for example, in school. You would spend about, I would say about like a quarter of your life, which is kind of weird to say out loud, but it's about a a quarter of your life in school. You know, from ages 4 to 18, at least here in Canada, you would usually go to, you know, your preschool, elementary school, and then high school, right? That's 14 years, essentially, of schooling before you even get to university or college. And then on top of that, then you would go to university. And usually it's between the ages of 18 to 22. And now, of course, you know, for university, anyone can go to university at any time. Uh, You know, there's no real age limit. But at the same time, you know, a a person will usually spend 18 to 22, about four years, uh, you know, in university or college. And then if they want to get into a master's program, um, you know, usually from ages 23 to 24, if it's a two-year program, or however long you know your master's program is, it can go any your education can go on longer. And if you get a PhD, then it can go on even longer, right? So 
if you add this up, it's almost about 22 years, essentially, give or take, you know, about, I guess you could, you know, eliminate some of the years when you were a kid. So about maybe 18 to 20 years of your life, you are likely to spend, you know, uh, in school. About that, give or take again. You know, it's, it's kind of amazing to think about that, right? Like, you don't really get to be free of school, quote-unquote, till you're about, you know, in your 20s, in your mid-20s even. And I think that that's something really interesting to think about in the context of hustle culture and quiet quitting. You know, for most of your life, you're basically being asked, what are you going to be when you grow up? You know, I, I think in, in Canada, if I'm remembering correctly, in my high school time, uh, we basically begin thinking about careers, I think, when you're about 15. and about your second year of high school, they, I think, make you start to, like, talk about what career you want to be when you grow up and et cetera, et cetera. And, of course, you know, at 15, you can say whatever, like, you know, I'm sure a lot of people said they would be one thing when they were 15, and then as they grow up, they ended up being something else, because that's pretty much how life works. You know, when you're 15, you don't really know everything about the world. You definitely don't know everything about the world, and you definitely don't know everything when it comes to a job that you want to do, because you've never actually worked the job. And for a lot of people, they don't know until they actually get to that job. But when you look at it in a, in a greater context, right, you put in so many years of your life in school, working, 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 especially if you're in a very competitive field, right? You've been working, 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 you know, if you get into the workforce and you're basically told you need to work even harder now, you can understand why some people would say, no, actually, I don't want to work even harder. I'll still work hard. I'll do what I need to do. I will put my best effort, but I am not going to continuously and constantly work to the point of exhaustion. You know, for a lot of people, that's just a no. And it's not necessarily, again, because they're lazy. It's because of just how much time and effort they have to put in to accomplish these goals that, you know, may or may not satisfy them at the end of the day. And on the other hand, you have people who work nonstop in, in school and then will put in more effort while they're, while they're in, in work as well. And again, it's because of the fact that from a very young age, you know, in, in the modern world and in the modern workplace, we're really conditioned to kind of focus on just working, 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 and to just focus so much on trying to, you know, I guess, be as successful as possible. And I think in that way, in, and in a weird way, you also kind of understand why people push so hard for hustle culture. You know, your whole life in the educational system, that's basically what you're trained to do, right? If, if, you, uh, if you guys remember my episode on uh, student mental health, um, I talked about how there's so much pressure on many students. There's just so much pressure on students to succeed, especially those who maybe come from, you know, poorer backgrounds or maybe those who, uh, you know, come from an international community and they're in, you know, Canada or wherever uh, to learn and educate and learn, um, you know, on a student visa, for example. You can understand why uh, it's 
there's so much pressure. And you can also understand in that sense why so many people commit to hustle culture. Because in many ways, it's the only thing that they've known, right? This idea of just working, 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 putting in as much effort as possible, you know, trying to be the most successful person, trying to be the next Bill Gates or Steve Jobs or Elon Musk. And, you know, I, I, I understand it. But at the same time, you know, in my own experiences, I personally feel that, you know, you can put in as much work as you want. But sometimes, you know, the success that you might think you deserve, you don't always get it. And it's just the reality of sort of working in the workplace is that sometimes it's not the hard work that someone puts in that gets them promoted. It's not. And I'm not, again, I'm not encouraging people to not work hard. And, you know, I always work hard when I'm at work. I don't slack off. But it's not as simple as just work hard, get promoted, you know, end your life as a millionaire. It's just not. And I think that quiet quitting is a realization of that. You know, you can work hard and you can also enjoy the life around you. You can take your breaks when you need to and you can, you know, uh, accomplish your work, but also enjoy the things that are around you as well. Which is what leads me to my next point about quiet quitting and hustle culture in that hustle culture is sort of this glorification of not just wealth, but, you know, of the capitalistic system of working in a workplace and being successful, whereas quiet quitting is sort of a rejection and the the rejection of the glorification of things like wealth and status. You know, it's really people realizing that the constant chasing of being wealthy or having status in the world is not the only thing to do in the world, right? It's like focusing on a means to determine a person's worth is counterproductive for many people and doesn't actually make your life better. You know, putting these sort of physical, uh, I guess, you know, physical bars in terms of like having this and that, these physical requirements that people have to make it like they're successful or to gain status in the world doesn't really have that much happiness attached to it. You know, yes, there's a lot of people that say that money can buy you happiness or money can't buy you happiness, whichever way you look at that. But it's just something, I think, of a rejection of this idea that, you know, if you have all these things, then you'll be happy. You know, some people maybe say, I'll put effort into my work, but I'll also, you know, go outside and, you know, experience things and not just be working nonstop. Like when you go on vacation, you actually go on vacation. You don't just keep working. I know a few people who've done that, and I've seen a few people that do that as well. When they go on vacation, they still continue to work. It's like, What's the point of going on vacation then? You might, as well, you might as well just stay at work. And then furthermore to that point, I think that both of these things, like quiet quitting and hustle culture, are, are linked in that they're both sort of a, a reality check or maybe a reality of kind of the difficulties that are facing most of the world today. You know, everywhere you go at least, you know, recently, and, and even here in Canada, um, you might say, especially here in Canada, everywhere you go, you will find that things are getting, you know, more expensive. It's harder to attain and having less of the things that a lot of people, you know, perceived that they would always have. Even the same salaries, specifically, again, in Canada, cannot buy the same things that they could have before, largely due to inflation and many other factors. 
you know, just to go to school, for example, and just to get to that level where you can get employed in some of these bigger schools, most people have to take on so much debt just to pay for things like tuition, books, and educational equipment. Even parents that send their kids to school have to buy all kinds of things so that their student or their kid can stay competitive with the rest of their class. And that's obviously really expensive, and those expenses add up. And then you look towards something like buying a house or, you know, buying an apartment or just buying a place for you to live. It's become extremely expensive in a lot of the world. Again, also, especially in Canada. And that's an unfortunate reality in Canada. But houses here are extremely expensive. They're very difficult to buy. And it's something that's just sort of become a reality. It's a tough reality, but it's a reality for many people here, which at the end of the day, most people, and especially those that were younger, likely realized that working nonstop was not a pathway to happiness. Because as these things show, even if you work hard, even if you put in all the effort, if everything else is still increasing in price, then in many ways, you might ask, what's the point? What's the point of just working nonstop if housing prices keep increasing? And I still can't afford a house. You know, I still can't afford, uh, you know, buying a house for myself or for my family, whatever. How does a person then, you know, work harder? If you've been working hard and then you still can't reach that, it's a tough reality. And I think that that's why, in on the other side, why people are so dedicated to hustle culture. Because they've seen this reality and they don't want to be in the situation where they can't afford certain things that they may or may not want, or that they would want, uh, or, you know, they want to, you know, get these luxuries of the world or these luxuries of things that they've always wanted or never been able to attain. However it is, you can kind of see both sides of the story because both of them are really just a byproduct of the modern world and the modern workplace in particular. They're both basically a byproduct of the hardships that a lot of people face and their reaction to those hardships and their ability to, I guess, cope with the hardships that are happening around them. The difficulties that are making it more you know, improbable for someone or more improbable for the middle class to survive has led to these ideas of hustle culture and quiet quitting, which again, I'm not saying you know, that one is better than the other. I'm not saying that I like one over the other. Both have merit. Both have limitations as well. But both are things that people have created because of their situation and what was possible for them to do. It is, at the end of the day, the way that people perceive the world, which is the way that they react to it. And this is, I think, a telling reaction from a lot of people and a telling perception of the way that some people look at what's happening around the world and what they have to do to accomplish whatever sense of safety or security that they want. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the most simplest desires, food, water, shelter, you know, safety, is really what most people, or I should say all people, really want. And at the end of the day, in their own sort of way, both quiet quitting and hustle culture look to accomplish that. So 
Then the question that comes, and the next logical, I guess, connection to this, is where do we stand? And after all, I will connect this back to being a Muslim, uh, because after all, that is one of the main themes of this podcast, and likely one of the main reasons why you're listening to this podcast right now as well. And so I have slightly covered this in terms of how hustle culture and quiet quitting really relate to Muslims and sort of, you know, where Muslims fit into the world as well. Um, But I think it's important for maybe us to have a sense of reflection. And I do this often in a lot of the episodes, and I'm going to do it again now, because I think reflection is really important. And really, how do we as Muslims understand these two ideas? You know, I don't want to get too, too much into this, um, because, again, I have sort of touched upon this a bit in, you know, the, the episode already, and so I don't want to, like, repeat myself. But I think the biggest takeaway that I personally had looking into, you know, hustle culture and quiet quitting is that they're both very world-centric ideas, where, of course, as Muslims, we're more than that. You know, for us, there's Jannah, and there's more to the world than just the physical things that we have. And so these ideas being so world-centric focused, it is, you know, good and bad in, in both ways. And, and again, like I said, that I, I, I'm not taking anything away from people who like to follow certain ideas or whatnot. There's certainly good in both of them. But of course, it's important for us to really have a reflection. And I think why we should have a reflection is more to look at how these ideas have or had impacted us. You know, how have these ideas of what we focus on, what we value, really changed the way that we think? And I think when you look at this from, you know, a broader sense, especially in terms of how popular some of these ideas have become, sometimes we may not even be aware that we're being influenced, but we are being influenced. And I've spoken this a bit in other episodes as well, especially in terms of, you know, the reach of social media or just how easy it is for, you know, businesses and corporations to also influence what we think as well, especially through things like advertisements. But nonetheless, in terms of these sort of ideas or these perceptions, it's really easy for us to get influenced by them because of how prevalent they are. You know, especially, I think, if you live in the West or in Western countries, you may not even realize it, but, you know, whenever we kind of go through the workplace, these sort of ideas try to influence what we think, especially in our ideas of what success is. And that is another thing in in terms of both of these ideas, is that success or what we view as success is a core component of both of them. Whereas, again, relating back to us as Muslims, yes, there is definitely success in the world that we look for, and there's definitely things that we look to for success in the world. But again, going back to our ideas of, of Jannah and you know, our, our, um, you know, our fulfillment in Jannah, it's not so much of just looking at the world alone as that you know, what we kind of try to uh, practice in our daily lives. And I think that that's kind of where it's tough to, you know, really, I guess, I, I want to say, you know, follow any of these ideas. Because, again, there's little things about them here and there. Yes, working hard is important. Yes, you know, not overworking is important as well. But at the same time, they're nothing compared to what Jannah is. And so for us, you kind of don't just have to balance these ideas. I think it's also important to just take what is good and then just 
leave what maybe is bad for them as well. Like, I think anyone would suggest when it comes to anything that's, you know, not related to Islam is that, you know, you should take what's good and then just leave out what's bad. Um, and of course, there's different circumstances and whatnot. It's not something that's binding on everything. But at, at the end of the day, you know, these kind of ideas, they are what they are. They're not necessarily good. They're not necessarily bad. But they are things that are becoming really more prevalent in the world. And I think I think I may have talked about this earlier. Um, I'm kind of blanking on it right now. But, you know, one thing with hustle culture specifically was how quickly it spread on things like social media. You know, you often saw these little, you know, short videos on Instagram or on YouTube or on Twitter or wherever, Facebook, of these people who were basically selling life advice. And, and that's really where a lot of this comes into as well, is it's life advice. It's people who are looking for guidance in their life. And so they latch on to things like hustle culture and quiet quitting or, you know, vice versa, whatever. Uh, and of course, there's many other things where people can latch on to, but nonetheless, it's the idea of their fulfillment of their life, like I was just talking previously. Whereas, of course, for us, I mean, the fulfillment, again, is Islam. It's Jannah. It's beyond that. It's not just the worldly things that we have. And I think that at some point, like you as a Muslim, and personally, you know, you just sort of have to accept that. You have to accept that there's certain things in this world that maybe we won't get to accomplish, and that maybe that's not necessarily a bad thing. Maybe there are things that we just won't ever be able to do, but that's okay. I don't know. I mean, that's just something that I think maybe living in, in, you know, the Western world and in Canada, you sort of accept as well as there's just certain things that I, I won't be participating in because it's just not something I should be participating in anyways. And maybe these kind of ideas of, you know, focusing on hustle culture or quiet quitting. And of course, these are just two examples. I'm not saying that they are the only things, but these are just two examples of things where they're, again, not necessarily good, they're not necessarily bad, but they're not necessarily something that we should dedicate our lives or the way that we look at the world in because again that's where some of its negativity really comes into and looking at something like the social media outprint of it the social media footprint i should say actually not outprint the footprint the footprint of things like this you know hustle culture and quiet quitting on social media is massive it's it's huge it's huge to see you know the amount of you know likes and follows and retweets and whatnot that a lot of these videos get because so many people are looking for guidance in their lives, which is, again, maybe somewhat comforting if you're a Muslim to say, well, we kind of already have that guidance. We don't necessarily need to look for that guidance. Although, of course, that doesn't apply all the time, because just because you're Muslim, that doesn't mean that you can't look for guidance. It's just that in Islam, we would usually prioritize Islam as the way that we would morph or kind of perceive our ideas of how we find that guidance. And so I think really looking at this from a, a broader perspective as a Muslim, it's almost like it makes you, I guess, be more grateful for the fact that you're a Muslim, that you already have this guidance that can help you and guide you through your lives rather than having to search for whatever you can find. Because, And this has often been an accusa accusation towards people who promote hustle culture is that many of these big social media people are really just scam artists because all they do is just go on YouTube or Facebook or on Twitter and they just promote this sort of, you know, I, I guess there's supposed to be these encouragements or these, um, you know, these motivational videos. You'll find them often if you look for them 
where they're trying to motivate people to do things or motivate people to act in a certain way. And really, at the end of the day, a lot of times, and, and again, I don't want to be too critical about it, but sometimes it does feel like their motivational, I guess, advice isn't necessarily that revolutionary. Because how motivational can you be to someone if you don't know who they are, right? Because you're just giving some general motivation to the people who watch your videos. And also, of course, one motivation may work on one person, but another motivation may not work on another person. Uh, now, again, of course, I'm not trying to attack people who do motivational stuff or people who promote stuff on social media. That's not what I'm trying to do. But I'm just saying is that oftentimes this you know, attempt to find the motivation can often lead people to weird places or, you know, weird uh, ideas and they can latch on to whatever they feel kind of gives them that feeling of success. Where again, for us, it's different. You know, you sort of have more of a feeling of success, of course, through Islam. There's a difference between, you know, reading the Quran and doing your five prayers or accomplishing things like that. They really just are for us really important. And again, maybe they aren't things that give us success in the worldly life, and maybe there are times when we sacrifice things in the worldly life for them. But again, for us, that is worth it. And that's something that we're willing to do. And just to end off here and end off on, on this point, you know, I wanted to say that I've, of course, dealt with both, and I've dealt with people who do both hustle culture and quiet quitting, or people who are more to one side than the other, and really, the only thing I've ever learned is that balance is important. There's good in one thing, there's bad in another, there's good in one thing, there's bad in another. And finding the balance and being able to do both in an appropriate manner is really important. And so if you were looking for some piece of advice from me, which I don't know why you would, but nonetheless, if you are looking for some piece of advice, in my opinion, the best thing to do is to find balance, whatever way that is. Now, do I know what balance means? No, I don't. And I honestly have never even really... You know, I, I don't know what you would say is balance because, again, it would depend on your situation. But finding the balance in whatever way that I've found it, and, again, the varying circumstances that have occurred throughout my life, but the balance is important. And I can't really give you advice in terms of how to find the balance, but whatever it is, you know, it's important because your work is important, but going out and seeing the world and enjoying your life is important as well. And I think this is something as Muslims that we know is that at any moment, at any time, you could die. You have no idea when it's going to happen, but it will happen. And so wouldn't you rather at least have something in this world, you know, having accomplished? Um, and, and I think I can understand that, right? But at the same time, not getting distracted from things that really matter, like your prayer, like reading the Quran, like giving charity, those things are truly important. But again, you know, having created relationships with people, creating friends that you can then enjoy in Jannah as well, as you know, as all believers, hopefully, inshallah, end up there as well. And that's really where I think is a good point to end this episode. Um, I hope you guys did enjoy this episode. Um, it was enjoyable writing it, and I know that this episode came out much later than I really intended it to. Again, I got busy with a lot of other stuff. I got busy with work. I got busy with some other stuff. And like I've said before, I'm the only one that makes this podcast. I'm the one that that writes it, that eds, edits it, that uh, produces it, that records it. So again, I had to do this on my own schedule when I could find time. And also, I, I will be honest that, you know, I was, um, you know, taking my time making this episode um, just because I think I wanted to think things through when it came to the podcast. 
Um, I am thinking of making some slight changes to the podcast in terms of like what I focus on and kind of just the way that the podcast works. But again, you know, it'll come when it comes and and hopefully, you know, I I can sort of get working on that kind of stuff. Um, But we'll see. We'll see in terms of just how, uh, you know, that kind of turns out. But nonetheless, you know, I won't change in terms of like what I make the podcast about. It'll always be about, you know, the kind of issues that I've covered before um, and the kind of issues that I hope to tackle in the future as well. So with that being said, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, if you guys did enjoy the episode, don't forget to like it on whatever podcast host that you're listening to this from. And don't forget it to share with others as well. If you enjoyed it, I'm sure everyone else will too. Uh, and if you could also leave a five-star review at, at whatever podcast page you're listening to this from, either on Apple, on Spotify, um, on uh, I think Stitcher is it's also on, or whatever you're listening to this from, please don't forget to leave a five-star review. Uh, The better reviews that you give it, the more I can make episodes and the easier it is for me to make episodes as well and also the easier it is for others to listen to the podcast. You guys can also follow me on social media. I have an Instagram account and a Twitter account. Uh, Both Instagram accounts are uh, at M-I-Y-B podcast. The P in podcast is capitalized. Uh, You can find me on social media on Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, On note, on my Twitter account, I don't post there as often, so my Instagram account is really the main account that that you should follow. Uh, And also the Instagram account is the uh, main account in which I will post updates and whatnot. Uh, The Twitter account, I am still deciding on whether or not I want to, you know, uh, keep using it, uh, in part because Twitter's changed so much since Elon bought it, uh, and he's changed a lot about it. And also just because I feel like Twitter's been a bit harder when it comes to getting, uh, you know, connections with other people, whereas Instagram, I feel, is a bit easier. But again, those are things for me to worry about, not for you to worry about. Just know that you can find me on social media, on Instagram, and on podcast, on on uh, Twitter. Sorry, not podcast, on Twitter. Um, and that, you know, I hope you guys did enjoy today's episode. Um, I'll keep trying to make more episodes and I will keep up, keep you guys up to date on any future episodes as well. So with that being said, inshallah and alafis. Yeah.